coming home, baby, now. I'm coming home now, right away. I'm coming home, baby, now. I'm sorry now I ever went away. Every night and day I go and stay. I'm coming home, baby. I'm on home. Coming home, baby, now. You know I'm waiting for you. I'm coming home now, real soon. You've been gone. Coming home, baby, now. You don't know what I'm going through. I'm coming home, I know I'm overdue. Since you went away, expect me any day now, real soon. I'm coming home. I'm on home. Coming home, baby, now. You know I'm praying every night. And everything is gonna be fine. Come on. Coming home, baby, now. I want to feel you hold me tight. Expect to see me now anytime. When I'm in your arms, you're in my arms, I'll be fine. I'm coming home. I'm coming home, baby, now. You know I'm coming every day. I'm coming home now, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm coming home, baby, now. And baby, let me hear you say. I'm coming home, you hearing what I say. That you're coming home. And I never will go away. I'm coming home. Coming home, baby, now. They can't hold me back now, no more. I'm pressing on, baby, now. And pacing up and down the floor. Oh, hear me holler and hear me roar. Say you'll be with me. Gonna be with you more. I'm coming home. I'm coming home, baby, now. Oh, baby, say you're coming home. That's what I say. I say I'm coming home. Something's wrong. The road is long, baby, now Or to either ride or phone I'm coming home and never more to roam Baby, tell me you Baby, I'm for sure coming home I'm coming home I'm coming home, baby, now I'm coming home, baby, now As I'm recording this, I'm hoping like hell that this recording will not age well in the sense that a year from now, two years from now, ten years from now, I'll be listening to this and telling myself, what was I thinking? Why was I panicking? For I am panicking. What's the longest that you have lived in one place? And by one place, I don't mean one city or one street even. I mean one home. Think about it for a second. Because I have recently, and I was flabbergasted to realize that I've been living in this house, in my little house, for 15 years now. And that's by very far the longest I have lived in one place. When I was a kid, my dad was always transferred left and right, and he was promoted, so he would buy a bigger house or a different house or go to a different city. I can't remember a time where we lived in the same house, or at least I did, 
for more than three years. My parents weren't separated or divorced or anything at all. I wasn't being thrown around one weekend with one, one weekend with the other. We were the boring nuclear family living all under the same roof, but dad was being transferred all the time. And when they finally got a house where um, they stopped moving around, I graduated high school, went to college, and I moved because I was in college. For me, three years is pretty much the most that I've lived in one single home. Up until now. Up until I bought my little house with my partner for my kids. And um, and we're looking into selling the house and moving about two, two and a half hours away just as a matter of convenience. So we can have better services for our two autistic kids, uh, better employment opportunities for my partner who has been pretty much begged to go over there because they cruelly need people with her um, qualifications. And for myself, what I, I've been working from home for years, so I can work pretty much from anywhere around the planet as long as they have a fast, fast internet connection. But still, this is my home. And it took me such a long time to realize that. I mean, you know it, but do you know it? You buy a house that has been lived in for decades by somebody else. And in my case, I literally mean decades. The house was bought in 1944. And uh, when we bought this this house in the, uh, the mid-2000s, um, well, it had been lived in for, for over 60 years, almost 70 years. So it took a while for us to feel that this is our house because every time we would want to repaint a wall or knock something down, move something around, refurbish something, we'd feel like we were trashing somebody else's history, their life, their memory, their soul. It took a really, really long time for me to get into my thick head that they don't live here anymore. Ghosts don't exist, at least not in my world. Sorry, cat. This is my house. I can do whatever half I want with it. And I've started that just a few years ago. I started renovating the house to my taste, repainting, knocking down walls, changing the carpets, really to my taste, to what I want to do with it. And now we're already looking into selling it. I know it sounds so naive, but when I bought this house in my head, it was the last time I was moving. So yes, I am flabbergasted that I've been living here for 15 years, but I was planning on living here until the end of my days, until it's time to maybe go live in a home. Yes, I really thought that. And I got to tell you, the next time, I hope it's the last. I've been moving so much in my life. I hate it. I really, truly hate moving. It's it's a trauma for me thinking that I have to move again. So I'm asking you, seriously, if you'd like to collaborate with me a little bit, just tell me how long, what's the longest that you've lived either in the home you're living now or any home, the longest you've ever lived in one single place. Think about it. Until you do, welcome after midnight. My name is Anthony from Montreal, Canada. I'm a night shift worker. Have been for the last 17 years because during the day, I take care of both my kids who are acutely autistic. Leaves me very little time to do anything that helps me keep my sanity. To do it, I do this. Every episode, every episode, I cannot talk anymore. Let me say that again. <clears throat> Every episode, I play a set of songs related to one specific topic. This week, 
topic is home. And we started with Mel Torme, legendary jazz man. And when I say legendary, I mean legendary jazz man. The guy sang professionally for the first time at the age of four. Four years old, he was on stage hired and paid by a professional orchestra because he was a freaking prodigy. At four years old, he sounded great. Talk about Michael Jackson? No, Mel Torme. Died in 1999 at the age of 73. Gave us a myriad of jazz recording. This one is from 1962. The song Coming Home actually was recorded in 1961. It was purely instrumental. So the following year was such a big hit. Somebody put lyrics on it for Mel Torme, and it became a instant top 40 hit that has been covered, God, so many times, too many to count. But the last one, the last cover that I know of is a Canadian, Michael Bublé in 2008 on his third studio album, did a version of Coming Home Baby. I could have put that one in. I know, I just, I wanted the original. I, I have a soft spot for Mel Torme for this original recording, and you've been listening to it. Thank you so much for being back with me again this week. Next two songs. Enjoy.
Okay, so this is our percussion room. This is the armory. And this is the door we never open. And we never open it because something quite terrible is behind it, or... Andrew, it's the door we never open!
every time I put together a solo episode, just me, not a guest, I try to put just songs that I really love, songs that mean something to me that I connected with really, really hard. And uh, I'm, up until this morning, the song that I was going to play instead of this one you just heard was uh, Genesis, Home by the Sea from the 1983 album, had a big segment all written down, planned to explain to you what it meant to me and why, um, to me, was one of the last time I listened to the radio and blah, 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 blah. Even had a great link to my job, actually. It was really sentimental. And I just erased all that because this morning I went on my jog and on my MP3 player that has about 2,000 songs, this one came on and I thought, okay, it's a sign. I got to play this song instead of Genesis. Uh, because before watching the show, I'm not okay with this on Netflix. I had never heard of this song. I've never heard of the artists and I still can't tell you anything about them. I tried to look it up. I can't find anything about them. They're, um, Danny Fernley and T1 Jones. The song is called Life in Monochrome. And as I said, it's from the Netflix show. I'm not okay with this, which was, I think, um, expected to be their next Stranger Things. It's a supernatural dramedy about teenagers and, uh, Well, it came out around the time of the global lockdown in 2020, just after the Tiger King craze. And I think that people were Tiger Kinged out and, uh, or didn't want to watch a teen centric supernatural dramedy with everything that was going on in the world. So, um, so the show kind of failed, uh, in terms of Netflix, whatever their terms are, but I absolutely adored it. It's, absolutely out of left field didn't expect anything that happens in the show and i didn't expect the soundtrack it's all music that i've never heard artists that i've never heard and i connected with each song that played on the show i loved it all um so i hope that you liked it too and uh, if you want to look them up danny fernley and t1 jones and please tell me more about it because i couldn't find much before that hidden cameras canadian band well canadian musical project you know where you have one or two people who steer the ship but the musicians and the collaborators are a revolving roster of people sometimes they come back sometimes they don't in this case uh it's their eighth album the man behind it all is named joel gibb he calls his uh, musical style gay folk church music whatever that means i don't know if you got that from listening to uh, the song the day i left home to me it sounds canadian I know it's weird to say, but when I listen to this, I, I hear Canadian music, really do. And he's been collaborating on this album, his eighth, uh, from 2016. Well, he had been working on it for 10 years with some of the greatest names in the industry. Rufus Wainwright, Feist, Neil Tennant of Pet Shop Boys, Ron Sexsmith, all collaborated songs musically or the lyrics or anything or even vocals sometimes for that album in 2016 called home on native land i hope you like the song honestly because it's a great artist it's a great musical project and it, it it deserves a listen it sounds like a labor of love when you listen to the album i really loved it if you discover it i hope you will love it too a while back on my show i used to have people coming on different podcasters who might regularly collaborated with, and I call them the podcast posse, we would discuss the topic of the week and they would suggest a song. Somewhere along the way, I turned into a raging asshole and the whole thing fell apart. But life blessed me with other friends, more friends, whom I try to invite as much as I can onto the show. And this week, we have one of them. I call this segment After Midnight Social Club. <laughs>
In a social club this week, a former trucker, a phenomenal photographer, a fellow autism parent, and someone I'm quite honored to call a friend. Her name is Sokola, but I know her as Cece. You, um, do, do you mind talking about what happened with your, your, your squatters? No, I'm gonna, I don't know. I, I, like, me and my husband, like, we were talking about, like, cause he's like, but I told him about it. He's like, what are you gonna change their names into? And I was like, <laughs> I wonder if fuckface number one and two is going to be frowned on under podcast. <laughs> first thing first, though, who who are these people to you? Is it is it uh, childhood friends? Is it but like I moved, I moved to where I live now in 2015, and I met the the well. I wish I I'll call her K. That's that, that's what I'll call her. Fuckface number one, the female, is called Kay. That's what we're going to call her. I'm going to call her Kay. <laughs> okay. And I met Kay in 20, early 2017. So we've been friends. Really, we've been, you know, we hit it off. So we've been friends since, like, January of 2015. And she was really my only friend around here. And we were getting along good. And I met my, she met my husband with me, you know, and, like. And what, then was she, with, she her, met with, with her boyfriend by then when you met her? No, she met her boyfriend. Uh, we'll call him what? What do we call him? Oh, well, he can hear you. Hey, this is my husband can hear you. Okay, this this guy literally claimed to be an assassin. Okay, <laughs> he he claimed to be from Nanda Parbat, which is from um the TV series Arrow. Yeah. <laughs> like, come on, man! Really, you, you claim to have shot a bunch of people. You're fat. You can barely move, but yet you claim to shot a bunch of people and killed a bunch of people. Yeah, okay. Working for Putin sometimes. <laughs> so he's he got like issues. That, that guy huh? has issues, right? Yeah, he thinks he has like a twelve million dollar mansion in Russia, <laughs> but he can't get to it because of customs <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> okay. This, this guy was a complete compulsive liar. <laughs> no, he's worse than a liar. He's just somebody who likes to make up a bunch of stories about himself to make himself feel better. Apparently. All right. So let's call him Munchausen then. That name worked perfectly. <laughs> so when did but Kay she, meet uh, Munchausen? She met him in August of 2019. Yeah. 19. No, it was 2019. There was never any proof. <laughs> <laughs> Show me a damn yearbook. <laughs> okay. All right. So they met. They met in officially met in 2019. Let's say officially Munchausen met Kay in 2019. I guess she changed from that point on for you? Because you, you mentioned that you weren't really friends with her for a while when she, when she contacted you. Pretty much. Like, like we, she started dating this guy. It was August of 2019, August of 2019. But she didn't really become a bitch until she got pregnant. Oh, they're parents too. Oh, that is nice. I don't know. I, I, I'm sure Canada has something equivalent, but I was so tempted to call child protective services on them because just, yeah. What um what led them to to go to your doorstep? They 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 spend money on stuff they don't need and then they have no money to pay bills. Yeah, they were they owed what $1200 to they owed $1300 to the city of Rocky Mount where they where they, you know, for the power bill. Okay. And they I think they were 3 months behind on their rent. Oh, 4 months behind on their rent. They're living way above their means for some reason, and they get homeless. So they they are irresponsible, and they end at your doorstep. You guys were nice enough to invite them in to get them out of a jam. It, their kid is born at this point, right? 
Yeah, she was born in December. Okay. I remember I told, she kept, because uh, she met him in August of 2019, and they got pregnant in like, what? No, they got pregnant once in January, I think, that next January. And, they, you know, she was coming to me telling me, I want to have a baby with him. I want to have a baby. I was like, are you sure about this right now? Because <laughs> children are more than just, you know, they're they're not easy. <laughs> and you got to have the means to do it. And, they, and at that time, they didn't have the means to do it. So, you know, I'm, you know, I've been friends with her. And, then, you know, I've been, we've been friends for a while. Me and my husband are out there in the living room, you know, in our living room. And we're just like, we can't, they have a child, a, a, pretty much, you know, this is their first baby. We can't just let them go throw them out on the street. But I, I don't know, you know, I say this, hey, baby, but I tell them, you can, you know, you can stay long enough to get on your feet, you know, until you find somewhere else to go, you know, like where her parents, his mom, whatever, or somewhere else to go. Cause we're not going to let them stay out on the street, you know, but they kind of turned, they started taking over as soon as they started bringing a little bit of stuff over here. Cause like I said, I said when they first got here that day, I said y'all can stay until you get your on your feet. That didn't mean hey, you need to start getting my shit out of my office and putting it in the in our little storage building outside. Cause I let them use that room. I let them use my office, you know, cause we had a big blow up bid. But they started wondering, hey, we need to put this outside. We need to put this somewhere else. I'm like, whoa, you moving a little fast, ain't you? And I said a couple days, you know. <laughs> How long all in all did they stay in the house? What? It was like two weeks. Yeah, two weeks. It was like two weeks, but one of those weeks I was gone. So yeah, after one week, you've had enough of them taking over the place. You need some air. Yes, because yeah, because they pretty much trashed the place. You don't mean just dirty. You mean baby, baby diapers everywhere. <gasps> like you, you, you ever seen that show Hoarders? No, no, I don't want to. Well, <laughs> not probably not, but probably not. And I hate. Well, I don't know. If I'm I'm probably sounding like a real meanie, but like. This girl is a hoarder. Like, she trashed my house. Like, there was my mom. Like that day when when bad stuff happened to me, when I did something stupid, my parents came over to the house. They were already gone. Those people are already gone. My parents came over to the house. They cleaned up my house. My mom threw away five bags of trash out of my house. My sister in law came a couple of days later and cleaned out another three bags of trash. Where are they now, though? I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't know. I hope they found somewhere because they have a child. But I don't know where they are, you know. Last time I saw something, I saw their car parked at a hotel a couple of days later. A hotel. They can't even afford a home, but they can go to a hotel. I have, like, I don't know what's going on because she has two perfectly good parents that love her and love that child, I'm sure. Because I've met her parents and they're nice people. And then he has a mom. He His dad lives in California, but he has a mom. She has a big old house out in the country. Is it is it something that's going to stop you in the future from helping people who might need a lot, people who deserve it and really need a helping hand. It's not going to stop us as long as we know they're actually trying. To help themselves. Yeah, but when they were here, they were not trying. He sat on his ass and he didn't do nothing. I'm glad that you're back together and that you, you both sound happy together, so I'm really happy about that. Yeah, this is my wife for life. I ain't going nowhere. <laughs> Dude, you heard that? I did. <laughs> Hey there, podcast listener. Bitchy the Hamster here to let you know that if you want to check out Cece's phenomenal photographies, please visit her blog, which I can't remember the address off the top of my head. Fear not, just check the extra note for this episode on the After Midnight homepage. Bitchy the Hamster is not a subsidiary of After Midnight Podcast because this asshole is not paying me, so if you'd like to hire me, please do so.
Now maybe I'll get the I'll... hell out of here. But I got nowhere to get go. Out. Get out! Get out! <laughs> he was in my home where I keep photos of my parents.
I mentioned at the start of the episode, Not Aging Well, this is one of those things, I suspect, at least for the people who sang it, uh, Jade and Alexander were actually uh, Jade Castrinos and Alex Eber, the two lead singers of Edward Sharp and the Magnetic Zeros. I don't know if they were a couple and if they were actually singing about themselves, but in 2014, Jade announced that she had been told by email that she was kicked out of the band. And the band replied to her, publicly on their Facebook page. No, 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 we didn't kick her out. We just told her not to come on tour with us. I don't know what's the difference. <laughs> I don't know what happened behind the stage, but they said that multiple times, that they didn't kick her out, that they love her and they wish her well. And she said, you know, they kicked me out by email too. So I don't know, again, if they were in love, they were a couple, but that's what they're talking about in the song. And we'll... 
a few years ago, it kind of fell apart. So I don't know if the song is going to age well, but I, I like that song. It has a, it has a folksy vibe to it. It doesn't sound like anything else you hear on the radio, and I love that about it. I really like that song. I hope you liked it too. Before that, I told about, I told about a song from my youth that my cousin who was older than me introduced me to. This was one of them, uh, the Talking Heads. It's probably their, their least Talking Heads <laughs> song ever. The song is called This Must Be the Place. It's from their fifth album, um, Speaking in Tongues. And um, it's it's something very, very unusual for Talking Heads. It's a love song. They they kind of don't do that, love songs. And they don't go about um, head-on into a subject. They usually are pretty mysterious and pretty uh, radical. But this is, this is um, stripped down from what they usually did. Um, the talking heads and, and it's, it's, it's their most accessible song ever. It's probably why I like it because to me, it's not complicated and I don't like complicated. I love this song and it's been covered myriads of times by uh, plenty of bands. But my favorite one was just a few years ago, I think in 2016, uh, my band from uh, Montreal, Arcade Fire did a cover of this where David Byrne was invited to do the vocal and, um, it it sounds like David Byrne uh, was invited to do the vocal because it sounds like an old David Byrne, but he still he still has that fire. You can still hear that fire in his voice, and it's a beautiful version. It did a little bit like uh, Talking Heads. They stripped down their sound, but it was experimental for them. Synthesizers and bassline. It was all a bit experimental, and Arcade Fire made it sound like they were experimenting as well, what they always do. Arcade Fire always sounds like they're experimenting. Anyway, I hope you liked it. Talking Heads, thank you so much for being back with me again this week. I want to say a really, really big thank you to my friend Sekula and her husband for coming on the show. It's always a hoot to talk with you, Cece. And um, and I, I guess it might have been awkward for you to talk publicly about those two freaking squatters who came in and ruined your home when you just tried to help them. But thank you, I appreciate it, and people, please stay away from fuckface number one and fuckface number two, as she calls them. If you want to do something nice for yourself and for Cece, please check out her blog, Slay Snapshot. As the hamster said, I will put the link into the episode notes on the After Midnight homepage. Her work is absolutely beautiful. Unlike what I need to talk about next, remember Songs of Innocence, that U2 album that was shoved down your throat if you bought an Apple product? Yeah, that one. It was supposed to come with a second album um, two years later called Songs of Experience. Thing is, though, in 2016, something happened. The world changed. The United States elected Donald Trump as president. And all of a sudden, the world got a whole lot freaking darker. So they did what no one should do. They took the album back into the shop and reworked it to reflect on the, um, how he felt about this new darkness in the world, about this new scary turn that the world was taking. But um, honestly, I didn't listen to the album because I, U2 has been boring to me for years now. I used to love what they did when they were activists in the 70s and 80s, and I adored when they decided to reinvent themselves and go alternative in the 1990s. But after that, when they did the, the Tomb Raider soundtrack, it just... It felt like old guys trying to stay relevant. A little bit like the Stones have been doing for the last 40 years. But this song, I heard it at the grocery store. 
Yes, here it is again, the reference. If you don't know, quickly, grocery store I go to every week, they play just the craziest, awesome, good music that you never hear on the radio, which I don't know about because I don't listen to the radio. But my point is, it's music you don't hear anywhere else, and it's really freaking good music. And someday I'm going to ask to meet whoever programs their music because it's freaking good, and I play so much of it on my show, like this one. So like I said, I haven't listened to the album because you two has stopped interesting me a while back. But this song, I really liked it. There's something about it that that reminded me of of Actung Baby. Not quite as good, nowhere near as good, I should say, but it reminded me of that old U2 from way back then. So I really like it, and I wanted to close the show with that song. The song's called Lights of Home. It's from a Songs of Experience in 2017 by U2. I hope you like it. I Thank you for coming back on the show once more. Thank you to Cece. See you back next time. You too. Lights of home. Enjoy. I shouldn't be here because I should be dead. I can see the lights in front of me. I believe my best days are ahead. I can see the lights in front of me. I gotta get out from under my bed To see again the lights in front of me Hey, I've been waiting to get home a long time
Anthony, kiss Mama goodbye. Anthony, will you kiss your mother goodbye? <laughs> <laughs>